This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And from the border of liberty, prosperity, and the highway of the north, this is Safety Wars for Tuesday, November 15, 2022. Okay, good afternoon, everybody, or evening, wherever you are. <sighs> Had a little uh, joke. Uh, so my one of my friends, Dave, uh, from West Virginia Paint, was uh, is uh, one of the managers over at West Virginia Paint. He had uh, his he had recently bought a house. He has uh, him and his wife. Uh, and they have two children, have bought a house uh, in uh, where my family owns a house in uh, northern New Jersey. And I always tell, I said, Dave, on November 15th, by November 15th, you got to make sure that all the outside work is done. I said, like the raking of the leaves, make sure your snowblower is going and everything else. So he said, ah, ha, ha, funny, Jimmy, but you know what? I'm going to trust your experience. What do you think happened? We wake up this morning. It's 18 degrees at his house, right? Remember, it was 70 over the weekend, and guess what happened? Now it's snowing there. So I said, yeah, I told you November 15th, and he said, yes, yes, Jimmy. I said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. So there's a lot going on there, and uh, I have to put this in here now i uh a lot of uh sites out there a lot of uh, podcasts live, live streaming program now they refer to the old defcon system right and what was the defcon system so during the cold war they had uh right if you remember ever saw the, uh, the first time i heard of it was the uh the uh movie War Games with Matthew Broderick and Ali Sheedy, early 80s, I think it was 82 or 83. If you remember, they had the old five and a quarter inch uh, floppy disks, right? And that was featured in the movie and the modem was actually, you took a phone and you put it in, connected the phone come physically, the, the computer and they, no, this was mind blowing for us as uh, young kids, 12, 13, 14 years old, because we had never seen anything like this. And then all of a sudden, everybody wanted a computer. And uh, they had mentioned DEFCON, you know, and you get to DEFCON 1, nuclear war is imminent or likely has uh, or has already begun, and he takes you through five. Uh, I think regardless of where we are on DEFCON, even if they still have it, I'm not even sure if they still have it, uh, I think our DEFCON level has gone up uh, today. Why is that? Our, uh, so here we have uh, missiles, right? Going back and forth, all different types of artillery going back and forth between Russia and Ukraine. And apparently two bombs as of this and this is probably going to change as of uh right now tuesday evening two uh missiles missed their mark at least that's the official story so uh, russia has denied that this has even happened uh missed their mark in lviv 
and apparently landed in Poland. Uh, uh, landed in Poland, uh, killing two people. So, it's uh, right now. There, NATO allegedly is in uh, meetings as to how to respond. Uh, they call it an Article Five, where uh, where an attack on one is the attack on all the NATO countries and everything else, and uh, or is the Article Four where we're just be consulting now. Hopefully, cooler heads will prevail here. So, uh, the DEFCON system, right? DEFCON one is nuclear war. DEFCON five, lowest state of readiness. Sort of like after 9-11, they had all those color codes and everything. Uh, it's scary. Uh, we need everybody to keep cool heads. I don't know how much influence we're going to have here on our leadership in any country. However, prayer. If you believe in prayer, pray. Say a prayer, to, a prayer tonight for peace. Uh, something I want to point out, and I, no, I'm probably going to do a promo for this uh, whole thing. Uh, for uh, this program tonight is the that we have we're at eight o'clock Eastern Standard Time five o'clock Pacific Standard Time which is afternoon drive time on the West Coast so I advertise this as an afternoon drive time uh, program what how could I say this without being arrogant oh okay, what the hell with all sound arrogant a lot of the program, a lot of the news we share on this store, on this show, is the first new, can, can be considered the first news for the late night talk show hosts, uh, that in the overnight or the first morning, because a lot of the stories here that we talk about are dealing with what went on uh, during today, and they're no, we get to them before everybody else. So I'm actually a little bit uh, proud of that, right? I'm pretty, you know. So let's just head off with uh, the news. And article in the New York Times in op-ed was what writing a self-driving Tesla tells us about the future of autonomy. Uh, a lot of uh, questions are out there, whether uh, things can be done with a fully self-driving car or not. I see a lot of potential here, right? But you're taking out the human factor. And even though we have... Human error, we understand. I've pointed that out to somebody tonight. Look, we have human error all the time, and there's nothing you're going to do about it, uh, no matter how hyper-focused you are, no matter how hard you try. And this is unfortunately what, uh, or fortunately, what we're trying to get out of, but we're going to computer error. Well, a computer uh, cannot always anticipate what is going to go on ahead of you right now. What's going to, what that other driver is going to do, what the site conditions are, anything like that. If you're on a backcountry road or you're on an interstate and you're going cross country, that's one thing. But I tell you what, drive in New York City traffic or LA traffic. See if you're going to be able to uh, uh, make sense of your environment. And this is where, uh, where uh, computers and artificial intelligence right now have a problem. Uh, one question that I heard uh, about a month, month and a half ago on another program was this. <coughs> Pardon me. Hold on. <coughs> a little bit of holdover from co. A little bit of holdover from COVID. Sorry, I didn't get to the button quick enough. Uh, so 
and I mentioned this the other day, what's the difference between artificial intelligence and what we have? It's context. So here's a question for you. It was a beautiful sky. The sky was, how do you answer it? You can say the sky, what most people are going to say, the sky was blue. We're all sure, right? And you know that through experience. A computer is going to say it was uh, uh, blue because of probability, because that's the most common, uh, that's the most common thing uh, that people say. Pardon me. Is blue. Uh, But what are some of the other things? Clear, sunny, many different things. Computer cannot figure that out because computer cannot feel. Computer cannot think. So that's that's part of what the issue is. Uh, I have all these news stories open and they keep on going and requesting a login. It's very frustrating right now. All right. Uh, Walmart has agreed to pay $3.1 billion to settle opioid crisis lawsuits brought by several U.S. states and municipalities, adding uh, to a landmark settlement with rival pharmacy chains. Uh, so basically, Walmart is paying $3.3 billion uh, in charges uh, right, to settle these lawsuits. Uh, basically, uh, this was uh, the uh, uh, pharmacies were held liable because of they were not mismanaging this stuff and they were found liable for it. I don't know how that's going to impact the stock or anything else, but I guess it's, uh, no, it's doing, no, uh, some of the, the states have got to get paid for managing these things as well as insurance companies and everything else. If it's the problem that they cause from not, uh, doing, uh, what they're supposed to here, we have two related stories, uh, here, uh, and it is, hold on, where did it go? All right. So in, uh, with fentanyl, right, this is another one uh, that is killing, uh, killed something like 110,000 people in this country uh, last year alone. And that's every year. I mean, there is not a family, including mine, that has not been impacted by the fentanyl crisis. My question is this. Our president met with Xi Jinping, uh, the uh, president of China. Uh, he was recently uh, reappointed or reelected. I'm not sure what the uh, correct term is as president of China. Uh, did he actually discuss the fentanyl crisis since most of the fentanyl comes from China and makes its way through here via Mexico and other routes? I don't know. I hope that uh, things were uh, discussed on this because I tell you what, uh, we're talking demographic issues uh, here that uh, might have uh, a great impact with everything here. Uh, if we say, well, why, you know, what's the big deal with uh, demographic impacts? Why are we discussing them? Well, we talked about one with 110,000 people dying a year, right, in uh, the United States. That could be a big problem. Uh, takes that, and this is it's not uh, an older the older people on the population pyramid that are being killed. It's the younger people that's going to have an impact 
on the economy and on the long-term economy because the people aren't in there to participate in the economy. And guess what? Demographics drives the economy. When people buy things, when people buy houses, buy cars, save money, it's all driven by people who are, it's all driven by demographics. And here we have another story on demographics. The Earth has now home to 8 billion people. That's billion with a B. The United Nations has said because people are living longer and fertility rates have surged in some countries. The UN's population uh, division calculated the global population reached 8 billion people. Right? And they're attributing this to uh, better health care, higher fertility rates in certain countries, and other things. So, uh, I don't know. We have 8 people, billion people. Let's talk about something else here, too. Another story related to demography. This one is from Humans Could Face Reproductive Crisis as Sperm Can't Declines. According to a study coming out of... Where is this? This is coming from Professor Haggai Levine, or Levine, the first author of the research from the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. Quote, I think this is another signal that something is wrong with the globe and that we need to do something about it. Yes, I think it's a crisis that we had better tackle now before we may reach a tipping point. Demographic issues. Everything is driven by demographics, our economy, our resource use, uh, everything along it. Now we're, we mentioned a couple of different demographic crises here between uh, right, uh, COVID, right, with the uh, high death rate with that. We didn't mention it, but it was mentioned in one of the articles here on the 8 billion people on the planet. Now we had the fentanyl crisis, sperm crisis. So let's talk a little bit about pop culture here. We have a TV show on Hulu and uh, just completed its fifth season called The Handmaid's Tale. And you're thinking, well, now what's he going to talk about? Is it going to be religion? Is it going to be something else? What's it going to be? And I think I think that I, since I'm like the only one that ever talks about this stuff, all right, uh, that I probably could make this a... <sighs> wrong button every time I do this. Comedy of Errors. I can make this a Safety Wars exclusive since I'm the only one who's talking about this. What's A Handmaid's Tale? Handmaid's Tale is a TV show on Hulu where a religious group, Sons of Jacob, take over the United States during a demographic crisis. And it doesn't really go into what exactly happened and everything else in detail in either the book or the TV show or the 1990 uh, movie starring Sybil Shepherd and Robert Duvall. But demographic crisis, when you have a demographic crisis in an uh, environment uh, using basic ecological principles, you're, everything else gets thrown out of whack. So, for example, you have Social Security going broke. We were warned for many years Social Security is going broke because uh, people donating into the, the – well, I don't want to say donating, being taxed – uh, to support Social Security are becoming less and less compared to the people collecting. And now all of a sudden you have a situation where you are going broke with this. Uh, 
That's one thing. Healthcare, resource use, consumerism, all this stuff go, goes into it. So demographics and birth rates and all of that is an extremely important uh, part of our Western society. Now, if you look at uh, the one-child policy in China, for example, that they had up until very recently, and they've more or less rescinded, uh, they were facing a demographic crisis they felt of overpopulation. But now, 40 years into it, two generations into it, they see some of the cons of a one-child policy, meaning uh, no negatives here. Something to be discussed. Not here on this program, but I'm going to mention it. So Elon Musk, a couple weeks ago, took over Twitter, and he's not making too many friends over there. So there was uh, an apology by him saying uh, about his service that it was super slow in many countries. So one of his employees uh, 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 went and responded to him and saying, I have spent six years working on Twitter for Android and can say that this is wrong. Right, by the way, right, and uh, and I can tell you this is wrong, right? <coughs> We're gonna have to go to break in a minute here. This coughing doesn't clear up. I've been a developer for 20 years, and I can tell you that as a domain expert here, you should inform your boss privately. Was one of the response trying to one up him in public while he's trying to learn and be helpful makes you look like a spiteful, self solving uh, sir, uh, DEV developer. Uh, then, no, and then it was back and forth, back and forth. What do you think happened? Uh, what happened was, Buzz said, you're fired. Did it in public. We covered the laws of leadership last Thursday when we were substitute hosting for Jay Allen, and one of the things is, is praise in public, criticize in private. I guess that software developer probably should have been listening to our show. Uh, right, and Musk should know better than to, no, he would have been better just to take it rather than just, in my opinion, uh, try to escalate this and say, well, you're fired. I don't know. Pain for pain doesn't work. We know that from our hop uh, philosophy, and you cannot, uh, no, public arguments is stupid, especially with a company. I mean, it's usually not uh, very, uh, good outcome for anyone involved. Third time's the charm, right? NASA's returning to the moon with a mega rocket launch. So uh, this is uh, being covered by a lot of places, and I, I look with a lot of optimism, right? One of the questions being, why haven't we been to the moon in almost 50 years of manned mission, and really not too many missions? Uh, and I don't know, there are a lot of questions, a lot of uh, things behind it. Now we have an Artemis One mission which is going to be an unmanned mission to uh, test fly without uh, astronauts. And it's the first step, um, uh, NASA is saying, it's the first step to a lasting presence on the moon. Well, no, there was lost uh, interest in this. Now, here's something. They named it Artemis. Artemis was Apollo's twin sister, right, in Greek mythology. So I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward for my children to see this. Uh, the uh, Orion space capsule is something like 60% larger than the Apollo capsules and is able to hold 
six more uh, what four more astronauts, seven astronauts total. I was listening to Richard C. Holglin on this last night uh, uh, from another podcast, uh, not on Safety FM, but he's actually was one of the original reporters on the uh, Apollo mission and wrote. Uh, a lot of the uh, big chunk in the press guide for the Apollo missions, which are still pretty relevant for today, uh, for the, the sections that he wrote. But something very, uh, it's, you know, something very uh, interesting here. I'm looking for, forward to our return to space. We're going to go and uh, take a brief uh, break right now with a commercial. You are listening to Safety Wars. Tomorrow's safety today. In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with The Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with The Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with The Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. OSHA recordables, first aid cases, catastrophic losses. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Polzel with Safety Wars. So I often make this joke. People, no, I'm getting older here and I'm getting a little bit more experience. I actually, the other day, got my first senior citizen discount. They don't even ask. They just give it to you. And I'm like, uh, you know, my wife says, uh, Jimmy, maybe it's time you get a haircut and you can look handsome like Jay Allen. But anyway, uh, no, uh, that's what Alan Warford said also. He was also on our network. Well, you know, when I substitute those, make sure you get a haircut. You know, you can then no one, you know, so I think you can tell the difference between me and Jay Allen. You know, that's my opinion. But anyway, he's in much better shape than I am. And I think he's about two or three inches taller, and I'm pretty tall already. So anyway, uh, no, I, I, serious. I mean, uh, Jay Allen is in phenomenal shape, all right? Phenomenal shape. He's into MMA. He does MMA. He does other stuff. I mean, you're talking, you know, I wish I could be like Jay Allen. Right, Just six months into a statewide ban on single-use paper and plastic bags, billions of these bags have avoided circulation in New Jersey, advocates say. So what does this have to do with my age? I'm often asked, now, well, how old? I said, I'm old enough to remember when plastic bags were going to save the rainforest in 1982-1983. And they banned, and paper bags went the way of, uh, went away, and now they're back. Paper bags. So, uh, now you're going to say, well, what's the difference? Well, plastic bags, we have a huge plastics problem in the world. We have a lot of pollution. If you want to go and uh, 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 go to Alice, uh, look, Google Allison Teal, 
Allison's Adventure. She does a program on the Maldives Island and a short uh, movie on, uh, she's also known as the female Indiana Jones, where she actually goes and does a huge story on the Maldives and all the plastics down there. And now plastics, the reason why these bags were always foisted on us in the 80s were that it's biodegradable. Now we know that we have microplastics in every part of the food chain pretty much all over the world. In the oceans, that's where they end up. And that can't be good for the environment. So we went back to banning paper bags in many states, including New Jersey and New York. Uh, Apparently, it's a a good thing. Uh, But now we have other problems, right? There's costs and benefits to everything. Okay, we're not getting those uh, disposable bags. However, people are going around with these other bags, right, reusable bags, and guess what's happening, which I can never remember to bring to the store, right, with me when I'm shopping because it's usually I get a phone call or I call, Jimmy, go and get uh, whatever. Tonight, Jimmy, you got to make a guacamole run because we're doing, uh, uh, we're doing, uh, 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 no, taco night tonight. I said, okay, I'll get guacamole. And, of course, you go there and you find other things, including a bouquet of flowers for my wife. But anyway... They had, uh, no, I didn't do anything wrong. Uh, but anyway, at least that's what she's saying. But anyway, you find all this other stuff. What's happening? These bags are getting very grody. They're getting very disgusting, very whatever. So they have to be cleaned periodically because they get dirty. That's what, something a lot of people don't and apparently don't do. So plastic bags into this reusable stuff is great that they're going back into paper bags. You can find a plastic bag unless you buy it on Amazon or something. And, uh, you know, good for the environment. And we're talking about safety uh, here and safety, environmental safety is a good thing. Uh, But the thing is, right, uh, you may have other issues with this. Right now you got to always carry around bags. Uh, We're not going to do that story here. So here's some California news. Californians will be legally protected during emergency conditions. Effective in January of next year, state, a state law will prohibit employers from taking adverse action against employees who refuse support to work due to conditions of extreme peril. Wow. So what is this? The workplace is an emergency affected area. And the employee has reasonable belief that the workplace or worksite is unsafe, or the employee has been ordered to evacuate their home, workplace, or worksite, or their child's school has been ordered to evacuate. So this is a little bit different from the federal law, the federal stuff, right? Under OSHA, as long as an employee is making a good faith effort to resolve a safety issue, they don't have to participate in the job. Right, uh, meaning you cannot say F you and leave. That's not, no, that you can't do that and expect to have whistleblower or any type of legal protection. You have to make a good faith effort. So you can say, well, look, I'm not going to do X, Y, and Z, but I'm going to wait here. I'm not doing it. I'm not leaving the job. Chances are you have a better chance in arguing wrongful firing. This is something a little bit different, where if you have an emergency in your community, or in the workplace, or is in an emergency affected area, whether you believe the workplace or worksite is unsafe, and I think, guess you better have a very darn good reason, right? You don't have to show up to work. 
I would suggest that if you're a company in California, you put together a plan on how to deal with this. Uh, you know, uh, so if, so for example, I, what I would think is like, they're, what they're talking about is a pandemic where if your workplace does not have a, uh, as uh, uh, loosey-goosey with COVID-19 procedures, or let's say that there is a criminal act or a, uh, a safety uh, impacted from a disaster or something to the workplace, uh, right? Uh, you don't have to show up. I'm, you know, This is going to make HR a little bit of a nightmare to manage because I tell you what, how do we define this stuff? Right here, you go. Safety of uh, the law that defines emergency conditions as conditions of a disaster, extreme peril to the safety of persons or property at the workplace or worksite caused by natural forces or a criminal act. In order to evacuate a workplace or worksite or a worker's home or the school of a work school of a worker's child due to natural disaster or a criminal act. Okay. Let's talk about some, what could be a criminal act? A lot of criminal acts out there. Workplace harassment could be a criminal act. Being threatened, and believe me, that happens all the time, up until recently for safety professionals. You're a safety professional, someone says, if you, you leave me long, uh, alone, otherwise I'm going to beat the wolfano out of you. That could be an uh, illegal act, a criminal act. Terroristic threat is an act, uh, is a criminal act. How about someone's dealing illicit drugs out of the workplace? By the way, that happens more often than you think. That's a criminal act. Uh, in some states, uh, you have people going, uh, and their companies are loosey-goosey on uh, concealed weapons laws, that which have recently been changed. That could be a criminal act. How about uh, evading taxes? Is that a criminal act? Yeah, that could be a criminal act. So criminal act can mean a lot of things to a lot of persons, sort of like when Todd Conklin says people get hurt at work. Hurt means a lot of different things, right? You can be financially hurt. You can be physically hurt. You can be emotionally hurt. Criminal act. I don't know. I tell you what, if a company is deliberately uh, evading taxes, they're probably uh, doing some other stuff to worker safety-wise and environmental-wise. I can I see it time and time again. Companies, people that do things and companies that do things, one thing illegal, they do other things illegal. Here we have, as California's wells dry up, residents rely on bottled water to survive. Okay, bottled water. All right, people, are, the drought. You have a well, it runs dry. Now you're pretty much screwed. And when we do the uh, did our disaster preparation stuff in September of this year, we talked about water, a lot of water, over 100 gallons of water just for drinking uh, alone for a family of four in a month. Uh, that doesn't include anything else. So you're talking about bottled water, right, uh, being, ex, uh, you know, uh, this is expensive uh, way of going with bottled water with everything. And so and that, how's that uh, further uh, be impacting a family budget, especially with all of this stuff on uh, uh, with inflation? 
Now you have another cost here. Uh, agriculture, right? Shipping in water. Now this is what I don't get, right? And according to some reports, right, California City's water supply expected, to, I think we covered that last week, expected to run out in two months. Here's something. We, California is a coastal state. I don't know if people know that. So, Jim, well, what's the deal? What do you mean? It's a coastal state. Well, you can build desalinization plants and have all this stuff uh, resolved. My opinion, why are we having these issues with water shortages? This is like a man-made uh, a crisis here. Doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense. I mean, they could have started uh, building desalinization plants even for peak water usage or for emergency uh, water issues like they're having, like a drought running out of water. I don't get it. I, I you know, I don't get it. Again, this is probably one of those other uh, fronts on the safety war. I for iPhone 14, right? Uh, starting Tuesday, meaning today, Apple will begin rolling out its emergency SOS via satellite service. All four of the iPhone 14 models, if outside a cellular range, will now be able to send messages to emergency services via satellite connections. Older iPhones don't have the required satellite hardware. So this is actually a good thing. Actually, a very good reason to have an iPhone 14 or a satellite phone is if you're in areas where the cell phone service is spotty. So, for example, you know, you'd be surprised the number of places that don't have cell phone service. For example, uh, Sussex County, New Jersey. Very good area thing. A lot of people, especially living on in the woods, like we're living uh, up there, uh, we're... Uh, 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 no, we do not have good cell phone connections. So everybody has a has an old has a, 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 a an old fashioned phone, either a wired phone, a corded phone, or we have it through uh, our internet service, a phone. Why? In case we need to have an emergency, you dial nine one one. That calls you. You know, you don't have to deal with the lost call, drop calls, or anything. It goes directly to. The, uh, 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 the appropriate emergency service and you have your thing and you have your address and everything else in there, right? All part of emergency planning for your household, for your business. You don't want to rely on only a cellular phone unless you can help it for contacting emergency services. Something that you need to consider, right? Uh, so uh, my opinion, uh, investigate. Now, a lot of people have a love-hate relationship with, uh, with, uh, 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 have a love-hate relationship with Apple. I get it, you know? Okay. We mentioned, and for whatever uh, reason, it did not get, uh, it did not get, uh, uh, what do you call it, recorded last night on my podcast or on a, this program, I was going to release it. It's on gas cans. So the question is always, can you legally use a red plastic gas can, consumer-grade gas can on your job site? And the answer is probably not. Why? Gasoline is a class one flammable and combustible liquid. So what do you need? You need some type of a 
can, right? Uh, it was also known as a safety can. This is all in 29 CFR 1926-155 if you're on a construction site, or subpart F, 1926 subpart F, right? So only approved containers and port, and this is 152A1, only approved containers and portable tanks shall be used for storage and handling of flammable and combustible liquids. Approved safety cans or Department of Transportation approved containers shall be used for handling and use of flammable liquids in quantities of five gallons or less. A safety can is an approved can. This is 1926-155-1. A closed container of not more than five gallons. Check that. It's 1926-155. I'm not sure what subparagraph it is. Uh, an approved closed container of not more than five gallons capacity, having a flash arresting screen, spring closing lid, and spout cover, and so designed that it will safely relieve internal pressure when subjected to fire exposure. Gas cans cannot can only display DOT approval markings when they meet stringent DOT requirements. And this is where uh, uh, it gets a little bit confusing. Inexpensive plastic gas cans may meet EPA requirements, but they do not meet DOT rules. So that's basically what it comes down to. So all those, and this accounts for diesel fuel, which is the Category 2 liquid. And so gasoline Category 1 is red. Diesel fuel Category 2 is usually yellow. And they're all spring-loaded and everything else. Uh, we have a friend of the program here that was using a consumer-grade can and with missing the flash arrestor, which is one of the first things that gets lost, a little screen in there. And what happened was the can caught on fire. The gas caught on, the vapors caught on fire. And rather being, and what happened was the uh, gas can blew up. Horrific injuries, right? And if you think, well, that only happens to him. Remember, Jay Leno this week got uh, facial burns, and he's going to be out of commission for two weeks with it. So it can't happen to you. I just want to reiterate that. And uh, if and when I go on to release this program, we'll have it on there. Now, paperwork, specifically site-specific training. You're going to say, well, what, now what's the issue here? Well, big issue, site-specific training. So you have a construction site. You're, let's say you're working for the general contractor. Or you are the general contractor. You have to go and make sure that everybody on site knows what the hazards are. We went over this where you have to have on a construction site a competent person, relay what the hazards are, do assessments, and all this other stuff. And... Often we're a company, what, what, how does this translate, especially if you're covered under the process safety management standard, everybody has to have training on the job. So you talk, what do you normally go through? So on a construction job, you may go through HAZCOM training. These are the chemicals we have on site. That's part of it. Why? Because the GC could also be held liable under OSHA and under uh, tort law or tort rulings, meaning court cases, and everybody else as being liable for injuries if for this stuff, especially if they don't do this. So what do you have? You have site-specific training. You talk about HAZCOM. You may talk about the different hazards on the site, emergency action plan, what you're doing, uh, PPE requirements, and everything else. Because I tell you, this is what happens. You're on the job. Someone gets hurt. 
right? Someone gets injured, and they cannot. It's very difficult to sue your employer if you are a uh, employee. I mean, under workers' comp laws, the way things are, and I'm not an attorney here, but I'm telling you through experience. So uh, to sue your employer in most states, and it goes by state and it's regulated by state, it's like a really high legal threshold. You have to reject workers' comp because workers' comp is there as a no-fault insurance to pay for your medical bills and other things going on in there up to a certain point. And anybody who I have... Uh, who has returned to work after a workplace in- injury that's been on workers' comp that I've had to manage or be involved in, my first question was, so, how is workers' comp dealing with them? Oh, Jimmy, it sucks. Now, it's like, uh, you know, it's like you're being, uh, you know, your mind is being sucked out of your, through your nostrils. It's like a horrible, horrible thing. Uh, and how was the pay? Oh, it sucked. So what happens is you, you can see where people may get into their head that now the, we're going to reject the workers' comp system. We're going to sue the employer because it's they did something egregious. Often what happens is the employer does something egregious and it's warranted. But trying to find an attorney is extremely difficult. So who can they sue? What's my point? They could sue the general contractor, the site owner, and everybody else involved, including the safety professional. Right, especially if you're a third party. What's the first thing that the attorney is going to read about? My client did not know the site rules. Here's another thing. If you want to fire someone and they want to get sue you for wrongful firing, bring in the union. My client, my union member, my union brother or sister did not know the site rules. Oh, Really? If you do not do site-specific training, guess what? They got a leg to stand on. If you do site-specific training, you have one more thing, right, to protect you from your liabilities and everything else. And also you need everything else involved in a robust safety program. You need to have disciplinary actions. You have to have enforcement of the rules uh, equally throughout and everything else that goes along with it. Uh, So... What happens? You're not enforcing the rules uh, or you're picking on, hey, you're picking on my person here, my client and everything. Now you're in trouble uh, with that also. So none of this counts. So you have to make sure everything is uniform. So this brings us to what we're dealing with here today. I get a phone call from a new client and the new client says, uh, it's our understanding that the last job that you worked on, you had a automated system where you would stand in, scan a QR code and it would take you to a website. Uh, hold on. Pardon me. I still got this breaking up here. Going into coughing fits. Uh, you No, uh, where I'm having a problem tracking the people getting site-specific training and there's an app for this. And I got them in contact with the app people that we use, uh, that we've been forced to use uh, with this. I said, look, don't think that you're going to go and do this training through an app because we know that passive training is the least effective, number one. And number two, an app where you're just ad- signing off on things that your responsibility ends there. 
Got to enforce the rules. Also, how many people do you have coming on to the job? A lot of people are coming in and out. What system do you have in place to guarantee that everybody is going to go through the training? Because this is what happens. I manage jobs where there may be 2,000 people coming through from the beginning to the end of the job. A lot of people just walk on the job. They say, we don't need site-specific training. Their employers don't give them site-specific training. And now they're lost in the workforce among 2,000 other people on the job or 1,000 people or 500, whatever it is. Once you get above 25 or 30 people, there may be people in there so that you're not going to miss. And though, guess what? Those are the people who are normally going to get hurt and they're going to say, I didn't get any training and you're liable or you're at fault. And you, the safety person, gets blamed from them not having training, let alone that the site supers and everybody else don't tell you that you have new people coming on. And by the way, if you have any measure of facial blindness, it's a nightmare to manage here. I mean, it's, no, it's a, uh, it's a nightmare. And you say, well, Jim, what do you mean? I don't know. Everybody looks the same, especially when they're in hard hats and safety glasses. You're not going to re recognize anybody. And you're going to say, well, Jim, well, what, what's the issue? You know, what, what, no, what's the big deal? Those are the people who are not getting that are gonna, probably going to get hurt. How do people circumvent these systems? Unless you have an absolute way of identifying people, I've seen, hey, we have a 15-year-old at home is going to do, we're going to throw them. A hundred bucks, and he, he or she is going to go and do all of the site orientations for everybody. Right? So, again, just because you have a system, now you need someone to administer a system, especially if it's an app. You find out how many people are not very tech savvy, also. So, if you want to go, how can I say this nicely? So, you want to go and you find, uh, if an employee often, if it's for a nefarious website or a very highly not-for-safe work site, they're experts on doing that, finding out whatever they want. But ask them to do uh, a site orientation on a website, they can't do it. And this is another strategy. I don't know how to do it. Oh, okay, so you don't know how to do it. You know how to do everything else. You're not checking the box. You cannot read a statement and say, yes, you've read the statement. No, I can't do that. A lot literacy issues. We talked about literacy here over the years on this website, on our podcast and on our program. What if you're dealing with an illiterate workforce? How are you going to manage that? You're now giving them a computer app to read and everything else. Oh, well, now you got to manage that. How about bilingual? Let's say that you have a uh, crew that only speaks a Hindi. That's all they speak. I've come across crews that only speak Hindi. They don't speak English. Now, how are you going to manage that? That has to be managed. I remember going on to a job site where, uh, being on a job where my the, the foreman says, well, he thought he was going to get around site-specific training. He says, none of my people could read English or Spanish. I said, oh, really? I said, can you read? They understand Spanish? Yeah. You read spam, uh, yeah, they understand spam, but they can't read it. They can't do the site-specific training. I said, oh, sure they could. I said, you're, you speak Spanish? He said, yeah, you're going to do it with them. 
Well, guess what? It was like the Rosetta Stone. All of a sudden, everybody can read Spanish. It was incredible. Incredible. Well, everybody could read and write. All of a sudden, the foreman had to sit down and actually do it with them. Everybody could read and write. We had another situation with the Polish crew. Nobody knew English. Nobody knew English at all. They thought, I don't know English, Jimmy. You got to work through this Polish guy. You get this interpreter, and the interpreter is saying something different. Then guess what happens? What do you think happens? Payday comes around, and there was a problem with a lot of the paychecks. Guess what, guess what happened? All of a sudden, everybody was able to speak English because there was a problem with the paychecks. Also, when it comes to safety, nobody speaks English. But when it comes to paychecks, everybody speaks English. It's incredible. I, I You know, we had one guy, Frankie. Not going to use his last name. Frankie uh, had, had everybody buffaloed. He acted like he did not speak any English at all. Why? He didn't want to deal with anybody who was a non-English speaker. But it was incredible because we caught him reading a technical manual in English. Inadvertently. We've caught him reading the New York Times in English also. So he can't, oh yeah, yeah, he can read English. He just can't speak English. Then there was a problem where he had a safety issue and it was a legitimate safety issue. So I went to his supervisor and said, oh, look, I spoke to Frankie and we worked things out with the safety issue. He had some questions and he says, Jimmy, he understands English. So yeah, he understands English real well. He, he forgot himself. So you have all these things going on with language. You have all this stuff and I'm not here to offend or uh, no. I work with whoever it is. I have friends from many different backgrounds. I, I get along with everybody. Believe me, I get along with everybody, regardless of what you're thinking. Uh, uh, my rant's on here and everything. That's not what the point is. Point is, you get these programs, you have a training class, even if it's hard copy on paper. Are people able to comprehend what they're reading? Are they able to read? Is it, is it at their level? Are they able to... Uh, read the language you're in. All this stuff goes in there. Are you able to track people? So just thinking that you're going to go out and have a technical solution to site-specific training ain't going to work. There's a lot of shit that goes into it. All right? Uh, that's just the way it is. Uh, right now, I'm working on a project where everybody on the project is from the Caribbean. And as we know, Caribbean English is different than American English or the Queen's English. And we were having problems where we had to go out and we had to how we had to uh, come to an understanding and explain things with different words and everything else than what were normal. It's about working with people, getting along with people, respecting people and everything else. And that's how you're going to write when that there is safety war. And I got to refresh the screen here. How could the screen be 32 minutes behind, right, on program running time? I don't get it. So some of the other things. So what's the bottom line? What's the whole thing? I'm ranting. I'm going all over the place. Just because 
you have, just because you have a program in place, if you're not administrating it, whether it's sites, whether it's site orientations or any other program, at a level where your audience understands it, your audience can comprehend it, you're placing yourself at a great liability with things. Just because someone comes in with outside training, like an OSHA 10-hour course or 30-hour course, doesn't mean that they're familiar with what's going on on that job. If you're the safety professional, you have to go and you have to show. First day of work. Before they even start, because once they start, try to get them back and do the training, and it's not going to be a problem. All right? And all this stuff going on, you have to take an active role. Don't think you're just going to roll out a program and let it, it's going to run itself. you got to run the program. And that's it. So let's talk about three studies that came out recently. This is from Research at University of Cambridge. That saying feeling poorer can lead to lower self-esteem, anxiety, and behavioral programs in children, such as anger issues or hyperactivity. We used to call it keeping up with the Joneses. And I, from my, my understanding, there is a story behind that uh, in Americana where that came out of, uh, keeping up with the Joneses. Uh, but this is what I tell. There's a story, uh, not a story, a, a song. I'm not allowed to play music here. By Styx, the old group from the 1970s called The Grand Illusion. And they probably need to uh, update it. And what was the song about? The song was about uh, TV and the ads and the newspapers. And everybody else tells you how your life should be. And that's someone else's fantasy. A lot of wisdom in there, especially as if you're a parent. I tell them, don't worry about what other people are doing. This is what I tell my kids. Worry about what you're doing. Right? Because, especially with the uh, uh, social networking, right? Where you have, oh, they're doing this. They're doing this. They're going, I said, they're not doing any of that. What do you think? They're, they're living some type of uh, uh, gifted life here, out there, your friends? Your friends are going through the same struggles you're going through. Many of them, they may be a little bit different. And guess what? We're there to help guide you through these struggles and teach you how to deal with this stuff. You know, and again, it's feeling, right? Try to quantify it, right? And they say, well, all their families have more money. Yeah, they do. But look at what their parents have to do. They get that money, right? Think of it that way. Opportunity, everything else out there. That all goes into it. Here you have exposure to other lights at night can cause uh, a significant uh, increase in diabetes. This is a story out of Shanghai, China, right, uh, where uh, metabolic stress and the stress of nighttime work, especially if you are, a, you know, right, if you're managing people at night, many different health effects. So there is another study on it. <laughs> study on this, pardon me. Here we have another one. This is from uh, Australia. An immunotherapy gel can end the use of painful chemotherapy for some cancer patients. Where they actually go, and they've been testing this on dogs, where they are able to do cancer surgery removal, and then they're able to put an ointment on there that 
they're hopefully going to uh, reduce the risk of a recurrence of cancer. Pretty uh, nifty things on there on the cancer front. So this is what I want everybody to do tonight. Because we have the impending incident here in Poland, I want everybody to say a prayer. I want you to go tomorrow into work energized and ready to fight that safety war that we're always talking about. For safety wars, this is Jim Pozel. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.